Elizabeth is drunk. She's been drinking so much lately, even she realizes it's a problem. She mentioned it the other day that she needed to stop, and I agree. But a part of me doesn't agree. A part of me wants her to drink as much as she possibly can because it's the only time she will touch me, the only time I can touch her. We're driving back from the strip club, and I caved in a few months ago. From the time I met Elizabeth, she had been wanting to go to these strip clubs, and I had refused. I had told her I didn't need that. I only needed her. Then I was arrested. Arrested three weeks before we were supposed to get married. The wedding canceled. I went to jail and camped out there three months before the Secret Service got me out and gave me a job. And I caved. Elizabeth wanted to go to strip clubs. I loved her, and I wanted to keep her. So I caved. We'd go to Platinum Plus three, four times a week. Elizabeth would dance with the girls. I'd watch. I'd watch. And Elizabeth would drink. A lot. And I'd buy just as much as she wanted. She'd drink to the point I'd have to help her out to the car when we went home. Then we'd go home and we'd have sex. We're driving back from the strip club tonight. Elizabeth drunk. I'm not. We both know how this night ends, and neither of us are happy. Elizabeth starts laughing. What? I ask. You need a girlfriend, she says. I keep looking out the windshield driving. So she says it again. You need a girlfriend. I keep looking out the windshield, driving. I don't want a girlfriend. I just want you. And she laughs. Look, I love you, I say. She looks at me. You know, I think it would be funny if you got a blowjob from another girl. Come on, please don't say that. It would. It would be funny. You, you need to get laid, Brett. I don't want to fuck you. I love you, Elizabeth. We drive the rest of the way home in silence. Elizabeth staring out the passenger window. Me out of the windshield. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast where we visit the darkest corners of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. The United States Secret Service called me the original Internet Godfather. Now, what does it take to get a title like that? 39 felonies, a place on the United States Most Wanted list, an escape from prison, and I built the first organized cybercrime community, Shadow Crew. Shadow Crew was a precursor to today's darknet and darknet markets, and it laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels still operate today. This first season of the Anglerfish podcast tells of my rise and fall as the world's first internet godfather. It's a fascinating story. You'll learn how cybercriminals think, how modern cybercrime came into being, and why it's so successful and hard to stop, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to one of using the knowledge I acquired as a criminal to help protect others against the type of person I used to be. How did you finally get rid of Elizabeth? Now, and I say that, I don't mean to be disrespectful, right. but I am disrespectful because of... Uh, the type of codependent relationship that you guys had. Uh, how did you finally break it off with her? Well, I mean, and you're right. It was a codependent relationship. It certainly was. I'm, uh, 
I'm horribly codependent. I, I try to make choices these days that are that are actively non-codependent. All right, because I, I realize that about me. Back then, I didn't. Um, how did it finally break off? Well, she had that talk with me, and we go on home that night. Of course, I try to have sex, and she says no. She basically, not even basically, she she looks at me. She was like, "Why don't you just go?" get some porn or, or go someplace. I was like, okay, that's exactly what I'll do. Got in the car, drove down to the strip club and walked in. And here's the thing, Ken, you got to figure that what was going on is me and Elizabeth would go to these strip clubs, Platinum Plus, there was another one as well. We'd go to these strip clubs and Elizabeth took great pride. What I would, I wouldn't do anything. I would just sit there and Elizabeth would dance with, with the girls and I would watch and wait until she was ready to go and we would go home and she would drink a lot and I wouldn't. I wouldn't drink because I was horny and was wanting to get laid. So um, I walked in and one, one of the things that Elizabeth did, she took great pride in telling all the strippers who I was and what I did. Oh, he's this, he's this hacker. He's this big cyber criminal. He's working now for the Secret Service. So we always had a load of girls around us most of the time. So here I am. This is the first time I've walked in by myself. And they took to me like ducks to water. You know, they saw that wallet is what they saw. Because I was spending a lot of money in there at the time. Stolen money. But still spending it. So I sit down. I order, I don't know, a white Russian, a kamikaze, some bullshit like that. Look over at the bar. And at the bar, I didn't know her at the time. But a girl named Kim was over there. Um cute little Korean girl. Actually, I call her a girl. She's a woman. She was 34 at that point. So she's looking at me. Now I'm looking back at her. Finally, she gets up, walks over, sits down. The first words out of her mouth are, would you like a dance? And my first words were, yes, let's do that. And she, she was kind of taken back. She's like, nobody says it that fast. And I was like, I am tonight. Let's go. <laughs> so... We go back in the private room, and then I don't know. I spent four or five hundred dollars, you know, dancing with her and everything for about an hour and a half. At the end of that, I'm like, "Oh, I got to go home." And she was like, "I tell you what," she said, "You come back tomorrow night. I'll give you my phone number." I was like, "Your real phone number or your fake phone number?" She's like, "No, I'll give you my phone number if you come back." I was like, "I tell you what, I'll see you tomorrow night." So I started seeing Kim, and started sneaking behind Elizabeth's back, seeing Kim and everything else, and I was. Yeah, it's codependency, but it was also the depression from everything that I was doing. My life being a complete nightmare, everything else. And I was at, I was in a state of mind that whoever was going to say hello to me, if she was female, I was probably going to fall in love with her at that point. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did with Kim. Oh, I lo- I'm, I'm like Jesus. I love them all. <laughs> so... I start seeing Kim sneaking behind Elizabeth's back and uh, coming home later and later every single night. That lasts, I don't know, two weeks. Finally, Elizabeth, one day, she uh, she looks at me and we had a, we were arguing about something. I don't know what, but she was like, "Why don't you just tell me that it's over?" And I looked at her and I was like, "You're right, it's over." And um, that was the breakup there, man. Um, what gets me so bad, you know, even today, I don't love the woman, but I worry about her. I worry about her. My my fear is that, that I made her life worse than it already was before she met me. 
you know, just by her interacting with me, her life became worse. And I didn't want that to happen. I really didn't want that to happen. But, um, so what happened? And, and I don't know to this day, I don't know if she loved me or not. She walked around the house and this, when I, when my wife left me, I walked around the house in a stupor, just depressed, crying, just kind of a shuffle, everything else for days. And Elizabeth did that exact same thing. She, uh, she told me she loved me. And she was just, I mean, you could tell it, you could tell it hit her. And I don't know, see, a part of me is, part of me says, well, she didn't love me. She was just realized that she was losing her way out at that point. But another part of me says, well, at that point, she realized she really loved me, but it was too late. So I, 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 I kind of alternate between the two, you know, and, um, what got me, <laughs> she carried a grudge. So I told her, I was like, look, I said, Take whatever you want to in the house. Just leave me, you know, a set of dishes, some flatware, something to drink out of. I said, but you can take you can take whatever you need. So I went to work that day and came back. Well, she had taken whatever she needed. She took every single thing in the apartment, and I mean everything. She left me a set of flatware, a a dish, so a plate, a bowl. <laughs> and a glass. Everything else was wiped out. I walked in the bedroom. The entire bedroom's wiped out. I, I think she even vacuumed before she took the vacuum cleaner. And she in the in the middle in the dead center of the of the bedroom, on the carpet in the floor there was she had left a photograph of her. <laughs> That's cold, man. Yeah, I, I told her I was like. Um, I was, you know, I told her dad what was going on, that she had been addicted to coke and that she was, you know, a stripper and that she had been prostituting herself and everything. And I was like, you know, you got, I told him that when I was locked up in, in the county jail. And, um, I guess he believed me because he bought her a car. He, he paid for, she already had a degree in religious studies, which was useless, but he paid for her to enter into cosmetology school. So at the same time, she's like, I don't have any money. I was like, look, I said, I'll give you a thousand dollars a month for a year just until you get on your feet because I don't want you to have to go back to doing what you're doing. I want you to be all right. So I started giving her, you know, $1,000 a month. Well, $1,000 a month was because I was stealing it, right? I, it wasn't because the Secret Service was giving me that money. I was stealing that $1,000 and more every single month, month doing tax return identity theft. So, you know, the first two or three months, I'm, I'm good. But what happens is, is I start having trouble getting prepaid debit cards some of the prepaid debit card suppliers are locking the tax refunds before I can withdraw the money from the cards. At the same time, I'm trying to keep a low profile, if you could even call it that, because I'm spending four dollars to $6,000 a night in strip clubs. But I try to keep a low profile in front of the Secret Service so they don't know all the bullshit I'm doing. So on this one specific month, the cards get locked down. I don't have any money to give Elizabeth. So I call her up. It's, I don't know, it's you know fourth, fifth of the month, and I'm like, hey, man. I don't have the $1,000. I'll have it next week. And she's like, well, I need that money. And I was like, babe, I don't have it. You don't understand. I don't have it. And she's like, well, I've not paid my rent. I need the money. And I was like, you've not paid your rent. She's like, no, my rent's late. They're going to kick me out. And I was like, well, they're not going to kick you out for being a week late. Oh, I got to pay it. I, gotta... I was like, okay, well, that, that seemed funny to me. So what I do is I hang up. I pick up the phone, I spoof the number of her dad, 
call into the apartment manager's office, say, hey, this is Jim uh, checking on my daughter to make sure she's got her rent paid this month. Well, the apartment manager says she paid her month, her rent, the first of the month, as she does every month. I'm like, are you sure she paid her rent? Because I don't think it was paid. Are you sure it's been paid for this month? And the apartment manager is like, oh, yes, sir, that, that rent's paid. I'm looking right at it. I'm like, ah, okay. Hang up. Call Elizabeth back. She's like, yes. I was like, so you need that $1,000. She's like, oh, God, I got to have it. My rent's late. I was like, your rent's late this month? She's like, oh, it's late. They're going to kick me out. And I was like, you're sure that that rent's not been paid? They called me just today saying they're going to kick me out if I don't pay the rent this month. And I was like, you know, that's awfully funny because I literally just got off the phone with them and they said that you paid the rent. Well, she gets quiet. And I still remember the exact words she said to me. She got real quiet and then it came out, well, you lied to me too. <laughs> well, and, that makes it all better. Well, I, the only thing I could say is I, I sat there for a second and I was like, you know, you're absolutely right. I did. And um, I, was like, I was like, I told her, I was like, but you have no idea what I am having to do to get this money. And her response was, I don't care what you have to do. You promised me $1,000 a month. Well, that kind of ran me wrong right there. So I told her, I was like, well, yeah, I promised you that. And I said, here's the other lie I'm telling you. That was a lie, too. You'll not be getting any more from that point. And um, that was that was it. That's the last time I saw her right there. I, I, not that I didn't try to contact her. Um, when the Secret Service found out I'd been screwing them over, I tried to call her at that point. Of course, she didn't pick up. Uh, when I got out of prison in 2011, I sent her, I still remember her damn phone number. You know, seven years later, still remember the phone number. So sent her a text message and told her, you know, if it's Brett, I'm out, would you like to talk? And her answer was no. <laughs> and my response was okay. And then the last time I tried to reach out to her, I took that trip I told you about out to South Carolina and spoke to uh, one of the Secret Service agents who I cost his job on because of my actions. And from there I went down to Charleston, South Carolina. And I had this, I guess, I don't know if you could call it an epiphany or what, but I, the first place I went to in Charleston was where I was arrested. That same parking lot where they had 30 officers and I was placed in cuffs, guns drawn, everything else. And I sat there in that parking lot just crying, man. Just, uh, I mean, it hit me so hard. I was just, you know, this is where it all happened right here. And it hit me at that point. I was like, you know, what I need to do is apologize to the people that I've hurt, people I lied to, you know, that 12-step program. Mm -hmm. So um, I started, I had, I've got an account with Ben Verified where I can look up people's phone numbers. I started looking up their phone numbers. And I'm sure Elizabeth's got the same phone number she's had. And uh, I sent them all text messages. You know, I'm, I'm coming through, and I would just like to take the opportunity to apologize to you in person if possible. If not, I just want you to know that I'm sorry for the damage that I caused. Not if I caused damage, but for the damage that I caused. And, uh, I don't know, I contacted six or seven people and never heard back from any of them. None You've of done them. your part on making amends. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can you ask for forgiveness. If they don't give it, 
you're, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 yeah. that's something they have to live with, and you're absolved of any, you know. Well, I mean, I, and I understand, rationally, I understand that. I do. I understand. And, and honestly, when I left Charleston, what started out as just a nightmare with me in that parking lot crying, I actually felt better. That was one of the best things I could have done was to take that trip. It gave me some closure is what it, what it did. But, you know, even today, and, and again, it's not like I, I, I'm, I love Elizabeth or I want to get back together with her or anything else like that. But even today, there are times when I, I really worry about her. I, I worry that she's not all right, that, you know, I made her, again, made her life worse. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I think I'll always question whether she really loved me or not. You know, and and yeah, you're no, shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. It's, uh, details on the five o'clock news. Um, you got to move on. No, and okay. I, I I have. Uh, and the, the interesting thing is, um, I kind of juxtapose Kim with Elizabeth. All right. So they they were. It was kind of interesting between both of them. With Elizabeth, I never really knew if she loved me. All right? I can almost justify that she didn't. Rationally, I can say, okay, she didn't love me. Emotionally, it's completely different. So rationally, I can say that Elizabeth didn't love me, but at the same time, I can also say that Elizabeth did not lie to me. All right? Mm -hmm. Kim is the flip side of that coin. Kim, I had no doubt that she loved me. But... I could not believe a word <laughs> that came out of her mouth at the same time. <laughs> so that was that was the interesting thing about both of them. I mean, with Kim, I paid I paid for her divorce twice. <laughs> you know, the third time I met Kim, she's and I, you know, I was naive, man. I mean, it, I hadn't been to strip clubs. I was 34 when I went to a strip club. I fell in love with the first stripper I met. The first one, you know, I did. I, I, yeah, I had heard the jokes. Oh, all strippers are putting themselves through college. Yeah. Well, it turns out a lot of that shit's true. They all have that same story. They all have a story. And Kim's story, you know, the third time I met her, my husband's abusive. I'm getting a divorce. I just need the money to pay for the divorce. Well, I heard that. I was like, well, shit. How much is the divorce? She's like, oh, it's like nine hundred dollars. Well, I handed her nine hundred dollars that night. There, get your divorce. Fuck him. <laughs> three months later still getting that divorce well I just need the money I gave you the money to pay for the divorce yeah but I had to spend that on bills what he doesn't work what you don't make enough money here I think I've given you $30,000 by this point <laughs> well I I just ha I, here there's another 900 paid for a divorce twice you didn't divorce the guy of course you didn't what she did was <laughs> She, so during the day, she was a finance manager, and at night, she was a stripper. So she was educated. Okay. She, was, she wasn't your normal stripper. Well, let's not put strippers down, okay? Everybody has to be a productive member of society. Yes, And strippers yes. are in their own way. Yes, yes. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so she, she was, and I, and I did, I was crazy about it. Of course, I would have been crazy about any girl at that point. But uh, so finance manager at day, at night, her alter ego is a stripper. 
And uh, I don't know, this was probably five or six months into it. I, you know, during the day I would call her and, you know, we would talk and professor loved each other. And every now and then I would drive from Columbia, South Carolina to Aiken, not Aiken, but Augusta, Georgia, just to tell her, just to tell her I love you. So I would drive that two hours just to pull up to where she worked, walk in and say, or hand her flowers, just wanted to tell you I love you. (laughs) And then get in the car and drive back. So this one day, I call. And the number has been disconnected. I'm like, huh, that's odd. (laughs) So I'm like, all right. So I call her at work. One of her employees picks up. She is not going to talk to you. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I keep trying to call until finally she gets on the phone. I've decided to go back to my husband. I was like, the husband that beats you? She's like, yes, God wants me to go back to the husband. I was like, God told you to go back to the husband. Yes, I went to church yesterday. It was like a Monday. I went to church yesterday. I just cried all through the sermon. I realized I was just doing wrong, and I just need to to buckle down and be back with my husband. So here I am. I'm welling up with tears. I was like, "You're really, really, <laughs> just just like that." Yeah. You know. Change phone numbers on me, everything. So um, that at that point, I had been I'd been going every night to the strip club, just talking to, because yes, I was going to strip clubs, but I was. I was monogamous. I would not talk to any of the other strippers. I would not dance with them. I just wanted her. So I'm like, I get mad. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so that's where I institute my stripper magnet at that point. And that stripper magnet was, is I would walk into the strip club with a wad of $20 bills in my pocket. I would hand that wad to the bartender. And I would tell the bartender, however, however many kamikazes that will buy, bring them. So the bartender would bring, you know, 50, 80, 100 of these kamikazes and would pile them. They would stack tables together and would line them up on the tables. And that's what I called my stripper magnet because any strippers that would like to come over and have a drink, come on. (laughs) And at the end of the night, you know, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I would go home with whatever stripper was there or whichever one wanted to go home because they all knew I was spending money like crazy and they all wanted a piece of that money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I did that for a while, for a while. And Kim and I had this, like I said, she, she loved me. She did, but you couldn't believe a freaking word came out of her mouth. And we had this, this tenuous relationship at best until, uh, until I go on the run. <laughs> and she found the Lord. She did find the Lord. Of course, she she forsook the Lord later on. I'm sure she did. <laughs> but yeah, she she found God there. But that was that was it. And I, you know, it was. Um, I was just I was I was screwed up, man. I was. You know, that's that's a weird thing. That's that's a lot of this story with me. Is um, you know you become so lost that you look for acceptance you look for direction you look for friendship or love wherever you can find it and even if it's not there you just kind of create it in the hopes that uh, that it'll get you through to the next day
Thank you for listening to this episode of Anglerfish. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's Brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H dot com. Please tell your friends about us. Rate and review the Anglerfish podcast wherever you can. In the next few weeks, we'll be launching Season 2 of Anglerfish, which will examine the darkest corners of our online lives and what you need to do to remain safe. Please email me questions, comments, concerns, personal stories, and any topics you might like to hear discussed. That's brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.